This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU as the introduction suggests. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn co-host of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show here in Memphis weekdays from 2 until 4. My co-host on the program is RJ Choppy. He's also the co-host of Shannon. RJ, Monday through Friday, 5.30 to 10 a.m. on 105.3 The Fan in the Metroplex. He's on Twitter at RJ Choppy. RJ, we blink and college football season's over. Obviously, we still got the NFL going strong, but we got bowl season. But more importantly, we got our final four teams for the college football playoff. RJ, I feel like we told everybody six weeks ago this thing has a tendency to sort itself out. It felt like it sorted itself out this weekend. It, it did. Uh, and the uh, the pro 12-team playoff folks are, you know, they're not the happiest right now because it did sort itself out. And, and even though I, I, I wouldn't hate a 12-team playoff, I don't – I'm not going to sit here and, you know, I'm not signing petitions for one either. Uh, it, uh, it, it did sort itself out, though. The regular season in college football – is for my money the best regular season in sports because it's basically you cannot afford to lose. And if you do lose, you put yourself and your fate in the hands of 12 angry men and women in Grapevine, Texas, in a ballroom at a hotel that nobody can really afford to go to. Uh, that, that, that's basically what winds up happening. And, and that's not how you want to live your life. That's not how you want to have your, your fate determined in sports. You want to play it on the field. Uh, but what happens when you lose, that's why the college football regular season – I think it's second to none. I completely agree. One of my favorite aspects, though, about last year's college football playoff was when the committee heroically decided to still meet in that hotel that you talked about. It's like they weren't they weren't giving up that opportunity to <laughs> to go to that hotel and great find. They're like, we got it. No, no, we got to meet in person. Like that's that's part of it. We got we got to. It's like yeah, okay, we 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 see where you're going. But let's let's discuss what happened last week because you 100% nailed it. You. You abided by the the smart principle of if Nick Saban is getting points, I should take those points. And Alabama, not only did they cover, they won in convincing fashion. I I suspect even you didn't think it was going to be that easy. And I, I, I really, from your perspective, when you saw what Alabama did to Georgia, as you're reacting in real time, like what's going through your mind? Look, I didn't even think Alabama was going to win. I just thought they were going to cover. I mean, we're still talking like, you know, this isn't a, this wasn't a one and a half point spread. We were talking about this thing was upwards of a touchdown, uh, six and a half. So I still didn't think they were going to win, but I thought, I think it closed at seven and a half. I think you were getting a full touchdown. Wow. 
Wow. Okay, so I got it at six and a half. That, that, that's big. Now, we're talking about a touchdown and more? Um, yep. That's a lot. That's a lot of points to give to a saving team. And I'm watching this game, and I, I really couldn't believe it. And the first thing that thought to my head was I kind of half smirked. And I was like, oh, Georgia, Georgia. Like, this, this you know, it's kind of what happens. Like, this is what Georgia does. It's what they do best. And, and they've been doing this for, you know, they've been social distancing for the national championship for 41 years. Yes. And they just they just have. And, and they got to a point where they had to deal with success. And they had to deal with being the hunted. And you could be off your game against Florida, against Tennessee, against Clemson this year. You can't be off your game against Alabama. Uh, Alabama showed uh, that they are still here. And, and for all of the nitpicking that we did, maybe un- unfairly comparing. Look, look, last year, they had the Heisman Trophy winner and the best rookie quarterback in the NFL. Um, and they don't have those guys this year. Well, that doesn't mean that they don't have a Heisman Trophy winner that's, that's playing quarterback. And it doesn't mean that they don't have other great players uh, that are on that team. It just simply was a a clinic by Nick Saban. It really is funny how in this year in which I actually found this year in college football to be really interesting, not yeah. necessarily just because, oh, we started to get some new blood in. It was just a week-to-week thing. You didn't know what to expect. And so it was, it was interesting from the perspective of you didn't know what you were going to get. It is funny in a year in which everything kind of felt topsy-turvy and it felt like the only constant that we had all season was Georgia's really good. Everyone else is kind of in this middle tier of we don't know. It is funny now, RJ, as we sit here before the playoff begins, Alabama's the number one seed, and it feels like, at least to me, they're a pretty overwhelming favorite. Like It's kind of funny how we took the circuitous route just to get back to basically where we were right after Alabama dusted Miami on Labor Day weekend. Oh, they're still here. Yeah, that, that's, uh, it's interesting you say that because we were discussing this on, on, on my weekly radio show. You know, is this Alabama's title to lose? And, and when my co-host said that, and I was like, no, 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 no. It's not, it's Alabama, no, no. And then for a second, I paused. I was like, well, wait a minute. I, I think it now is. Uh, I, I just, and, and this is, look, I, I am, I'm a weird dude, right? I, I hate rematches. I, I don't like if Alabama plays Georgia in the final and they lose, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate like they've already beat them. They don't need to beat them again. They already beat them. Um, but I know it's going to happen. But it definitely now is Bama's title to lose. Uh, I, I don't know if Georgia didn't show everything. I don't know what Georgia was doing. Maybe they didn't try. Maybe they knew they were going to get in anyway. And they kind of gave a half effort. But Alabama, I mean, the big nasty up front. Uh, was 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 not as impactful for Georgia as we thought, and maybe that's because Bamba sped things up a little bit, uh, which is what you can do against this team. You know, I was at the game in Tennessee, and if three plays in, he was you know, Jordan was off the field. Yep, he was gassed on the third play. He was like down, uh, and and that's how you got to beat them. You got to take care and take get rid of their biggest advantage, which is three hundred forty pound guys who can run a four five. Yeah, the thing that was fascinating to me to watch in real time was we'd spent much of the season talking about, is there a team that can score on Georgia and get them off script? Because 
even though the efficiency numbers said Georgia's offense was very good, it's one of the most efficient offenses, I think deep down in the back of our minds are like, they don't want to get into shootout. Like, that's just not where they're comfortable. And you could tell, even though they jumped up on Alabama 10 to nothing, I credit Alabama for kind of staying the course. And then obviously they hit, you know, they hit full pedal to the metal. And Georgia, when they had to kind of get into that game, they got really uncomfortable. And I think the thing that is fascinating to your point of, is it Alabama's to lose at this point? I think we've seen from Alabama that they're the only team remaining that can win any style of game. We saw them win, you know, a a classic defensive low-scoring two-touchdown game against LSU. We saw them win blowouts. We've seen them win in shootouts. We've seen them win kind of that in-between. They, you know, they went on the road in the swamp, and it wasn't pretty, it wasn't comfortable, but they found ways to win those games. Whereas Georgia, it seems like it's been the same script where, hey, they want to stay in control. Even if it's kind of close on the scoreboard, they know that they're going to wear you down. I do now wonder with Georgia, do they have to make an adjustment? Because I'm like you, what Alabama did to them made them uncomfortable. But at the same time, the other issue that I'm seeing watching that game is this is a very clear and obvious difference. One team has Bryce Young who's playing out of his mind. Yeah. The other team had Stetson Bennett. And while Bennett wasn't awful, you know, he makes yeah. he throws a pick six. He throws another interception. He was terrible on third downs. Like, their conversion numbers were horrible. Money downs, they just weren't very good. And if it really weren't for Brock Bowers, I think that 17-point blowout might be even more. And the other thing that was fascinating to me is it's the second straight year that Alabama and Georgia have played with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Final score is 41-24. I do wonder, I don't know if JT Daniels is the solution either, because again, the guy couldn't beat out Keaton Slovis at USC, but I do wonder, are they having to have a conversation of, guys, do we have to do something different here with the offense? Well, they might have to, because, you know, if you were to just take a betting strategy of, I am going to take the better quarterback to cover every game, you're going you're, you're gonna to win money. You don't get cute. And Bryce Young's the better quarterback. And Stetson Bennett, like, the best thing about him is his name. Like, that's, that's yes. the best thing about him. And it's a great name. Okay? It's one of the all-time Especially great. Especially to be the quarterback at Georgia. Yeah. Absolutely. John Parker Wilson was perfect for Alabama. Absolutely. Right? Great. With, and, and he came with Bama Banks. Like, it was perfect. Yeah. Like, he was – like, if you, were, if you were doing central casting for an Alabama quarterback, like, it's John Parker Wilson and he's got, like, blonde Bama Banks. Yeah. And then Stetson Bennett – is the perfect one at Georgia. He just is. It, it's 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 a match made in heaven, uh, and and that's the best thing about him right now. They, they need to figure out what they're going to do for this, uh, you know, against obviously against Michigan, and if they're lucky enough to get uh, to Alabama, uh, should Bama make it, which they should, uh, then then they got to figure that out because they can't go over the same thing again. Uh, I, I don't know, like Georgia. Like you're right, they they won the game. They won. They had one game script all year. It was blow you out. Even the Clemson game that was ten three, that was a three touchdown seven point victory. Like there yes. was Clemson was never in that football game at ten three. That was a blowout at ten three. Uh, like when when else did Georgia trail this year? Uh, the game that you were at, and yeah. they trailed for one possession. One possession. 
Like they, they trailed for like a couple of minutes. Like that's it. Like that, they barely trailed all season long. Uh, and, and then here they are. They're getting their butts whooped. All right, let's turn our attention to the other side of last week. Michigan didn't even flirt with Iowa. They get up on them early in the first quarter. They had kind of an apathetic second quarter, but then in obviously in the second half, they get the third quarter touchdown, and then you see Harbaugh. I, I'll be honest. I know Harbaugh rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I love swaggy Harbaugh. When, they're, when, the, when the cameras are catching him saying, listen, we have, a chance to, we have a chance to be the number one seed and run it up, like I'm all in on that Harbaugh, you know, telling Ryan Day he was born on third base. Give me all of this. I love this version of Harbaugh. I don't like the beaten dog Harbaugh. It's just not as fun to me. I love the characters in the sport. In your mind, did Michigan kind of get screwed here? Do you think that they had a better case for the number one seed, or do you think that in the end they made the right call giving it to Alabama? They did have a case uh, for the number one seed, just because they're a one-loss conference champ. Um, but you knew they were never going to do that because they would have had to push Georgia to four. Um, and, quite frankly, uh, you have to protect your number one seeds. Yeah. And and if Michigan was the number one seed, having to play Georgia, man, that ain't protecting the number one seed uh, at all. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they had a technical case because conference champ, you know, big win against Ohio. They, they, they probably had the best win of the year, right? I mean, well, see, though, didn't that change? Didn't that change on Saturday? I mean, we all yes. were in agreement, yes. like that Georgia has been the most consistent. Like they, they never really flirted. I do think in the end, you have to say that Alabama finished the year with the best win. Yeah, no, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe you're right. They did. Um, uh, you know, it Oregon. is funny though. But to your to your point though, I think. As soon as we saw Georgia get beat, we did exactly what you said to start the segment. Ah, Georgia's back. Like, Georgia's always yeah. going to Georgia. And it's somehow, even though when you look at what they accomplished this season on paper, which is tremendous, up through the regular season, they had one one-score game. They blew everybody out. They were awesome against the number. But it's like as soon as we saw the same old game script, we're just like, eh, Georgia being Georgia. That's it. That's Georgia does. Um, but – yeah, so maybe Alabama did have the win of the year uh, at that point. I, again, you're splitting hairs between Michigan and Alabama, and when you beat Georgia, the number one team in the nation, the team that's barely trailed all year, and you really put it to them, and your name is Alabama. Um, like, if Oklahoma State was in the same situation Alabama was, and they happened to beat Georgia, I don't know that they leapfrog Michigan. Uh, if Baylor was in that position. I don't know that they leapfrog Michigan, but Alabama's going to leapfrog them. Uh, most schools, most major programs in the SEC probably would have leapfrogged uh, uh, Michigan in that point. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. All right, let's actually look at the matchups. Obviously, Alabama and Cincinnati, the 1-4 game, that'll be the early game out in Arlington at Jerry's World. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Alabama right now, I think it's around 13 and a half. Obviously, I don't know how you feel about these playoff games. I'm going to flip-flop back and forth at least seven times before I finally bet this game. And then with Michigan and Georgia, the Orange Bowl, right now Georgia minus seven and a half. RJ, I, my early inclination is I'm going to lay it with Bama, and then I feel like I want to take the points. I feel like I want to take the points with Michigan. You know, I, uh, I'm scared of the Cincinnati game. 
I have yeah. no frame of reference on Cincinnati. None. Like they, they, they could. I'm trying to think of like a, like what's a comp? Is there a college basketball comp to Cincinnati? Is it Gonzaga? Like, there's you have no frame of reference on how good they can be against yeah. the competition. It scares me. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably a decent comp. All right, when we come back, we got the Army-Navy game. We'll get into what we're betting on that side. Plus, we got bowl games coming up. We're going to tell you the coaches you can trust and the ones you can't. It's the ground. You're listening to BetQLU. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, we welcome you back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Only one FBS college football game this weekend. RJ, it's always a sad weekend, Heisman weekend, especially now that it feels like the Heisman's pretty much already predetermined. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. But I enjoy the Army-Navy game. But it's always just kind of a bummed out Saturday because you've just been used to, even last week on championship week, when we had a much smaller slate. You've just been used to having multiple games wall to wall, basically from 11 until the end of the night when you're sticking up to see if Cal was actually going to hold on and cover uh, against USC. But we've got Army-Navy game. Here's the deal. I view the Army-Navy game the same way that I view Bedlam. All the smart information probably told you to take the under in Bedlam this year. But there's just a few games where you sit there and you go, screw it. I know I'm a system guy, but I'm, I'm forgetting it. I never want the under in Bedlam. I always want the over. I don't care how low they make this number in the Army-Navy game. I always, always, always want the under. I've got it right now at 34 and a half. I think it's even dropped to 33 and a half. Every analytic out there is going to tell you the over is a slam dunk. Sharps are even hammering it. I applaud them. However, I don't care if it's a dumb bet. I think it's the right bet. 15 straight unders in this game. RJ, it is just the classic example. It's two service academies going against each other. You could honestly probably see each team get one possession in each quarter. And since Kenny Nuimatololo has been at Navy. This is just an under game, and I don't really care what the number is. I want it. Also, in service academy games, the under is 49 and 2 when two service academies are playing each other. With that being said, are you going to go with the Sharps, RJ? Are you laying off? What are you thinking here? I, I'm laying off th- <laughs> 34 and a half. This reminds me of, remember week one, or week, maybe it was week zero. I can't remember. Maybe it was week one. It was the Penn State-Wisconsin game. Yes, it was week one. And there was – it was scoreless at the half. Oh, yeah. And the, sec- and the second half, they put the over-under for the second half at 21. And I'm like, I, I can't take that. I, I can't take that. And, and 21, that would have been the entire game score 
uh, I, I just it gets to a point where it's just too low. Now I know, like, in order for it to get to be thirty-four and a half, like one of these teams is going to have to score twenty, and like that, my mind is too. 55-50 in college football right now. Yes. 41-38. I can't, I can't grasp, like, early 90s era Bill Parcells. Yeah. I can't I can't grasp that. And I'm normally an under-better. Bill Belichick on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm an under-better normally. Like, I bet unders and I bet underdogs. Um... I don't know that I could take 34 and a half on the under. Well, I'm glad you said that. The other Big Ten game, Iowa-Wisconsin, I believe that was the smallest total that we had seen this year. It was 36 and a half, still went under. Yeah. I mean, there there is – it's almost like Kansas uh, used to be. Yeah. There was no number that you could put that was big enough to take Kansas against the spread. That Kansas wasn't going to cover. And maybe there's no number small enough. Where you don't take the under in Army Navy, um, I just I have no faith in the over, and that number is so scary low. I don't know that I could touch the under. So, are you going to touch this? Oh yeah, I've already bet it. I've got the under. I, I just blindly when the service academies play, I just I take the under. Also, Air Force and Army, that game went to overtime at Globe Life Stadium. What's the new the new baseball? The new baseball. I think the it's new Globe base- Life Stadium. Okay, so- the new baseball, the dome, is Globe Life Field. The Field, sorry. One, Stadium, yes. The, the old one is Globe Life Park. Ah, because it was a ballpark. they have park changed Island. that. It is now Choctaw Stadium. Ah. So they've changed that. It's now owned by, it's now named by a casino. Love it. That Love is not it. in our state. But that game went to overtime, still went under. Yeah. Still went under, and your boy cashed that ticket. Like, it's just, yeah. it's for me, it's that, it's that auto bet. Now, Army currently laying about seven and a half. I've seen Navy play multiple times. They're really bad. My gut says take the points, especially when it's a touchdown or more. But Army, I just feel like they're the better team on offense. They're the better team on defense. I don't have a strong conviction on either side. The only thing I know that I want is I want the under, and I understand that it, it could be a sweat box and that, I could sit there on Saturday and go, well, duh, this number was too low. Like, you were an idiot. With that being said, like, it's two service academies, two option offenses going against each other. And there's also a part of me that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of hashtag haters in the world that say it's un-American to take the under in this game. You should root for both teams to score. You should want this. I say nay. Nay. I want my service academies to lead in defense. I want them to defend me. I want them to defend the end zone. I don't want there to be any score. I think it is more patriotic. Yes. And I'm a better American for taking the under, and I will take that to my grave. That's a great point. Never thought of it. Didn't even cross my mind. Absolutely it's love it. It's not the secretary of offense. It's the secretary of defense. Yes. I, I'm, I'm stealing this. I, I promise you that one. I'm going to well, be using this on Monday. Um, listen, I... I'm with you, you know. I, and here's the thing. I We just saw Army score 56 points. Yeah, but that was against Wake. I know. Tackling's it's, optional. It's Wake adjusted. Wake, Wake adjusted. Yep. Tackling is optional. But here's mm. the thing. If you could score, like, if you could throw the football, and they threw the football in that game, 
Yeah. So if you have the capability of scoring 56, why would you voluntarily choose to score 12? Like, it's it's just that way that game's played. Like, I did also love the audacity. Uh, I like. Uh, I I don't I don't know how Tennessee fans have gotten over the claw fence with Dave Clawson, but. I did like the audacity of him making a big stink out of Kenny Pickett kind of fake sliding. Yeah. And the fact that, like, oh, you, you got to blow the whistle. Really? What about the other six touchdowns they scored, Dave? Like, oh, yeah. like they, they were just going through your defense like it didn't matter. Like, I, I just, in the end, like, with Army, I throw that out the window. Like, that game just didn't matter. You're playing You're playing way. Listen, I, I, I never would have guessed that Dave Clawson would have been a better head coach than an offensive coordinator, uh, but he turned out to be a abysmal coordinator and a pretty darn good head football coach because that guy can recruit, and he's getting players. They've got playmakers on the outside, and they've got uh, Sam Hartthrob. Uh, that's what I call mm. him. That's a, oh, yeah. I mean, that look, that's a good-looking man. I'm not ashamed to say it. That is top five best-looking quarterbacks I've ever seen. He's on that Jimmy Garoppolo level. Yeah, uh, he really is. You know, like he really is. So he's even he's even trying to keep it fair for the rest of the dudes out there. Like he's got the mullet going and it's not yeah. like Grayson McCall's mullet. You sit there, you go, OK, that fits like that's what Grayson McCall. Like, that's a good look for him. Yeah. But with Hartman even doing the it's like I'm going to keep it fair for the rest of you. I'm going to yeah. put a mullet and I'm still going to be better looking than all of you. I know. And, and, and you know, the thing that bothers me, it doesn't matter if he shaves or not. If he has a full beard, yeah. he's got that full man beard. Uh, he doesn't have like one of those Kevin Durant beards, those fake yeah. half jerk beards. Like he's got a full man beard. And then when he shaves it, I mean, it's just this golden tan face. And it's like, God dang, man. Oh, it's so annoying. Like, you know, like the mullet, I, I get it. It's a fad. It's, a, it's yeah, the style. It. Quinn Ewers has got the best worst mullet I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Speaking of heroes, that kid getting paid like four different times good for him yeah oh look there we, we talked about that all week here because he's gonna go i don't think he's gonna go to texas i know they're gonna pay him first round pick money uh with all the stuff but to me like if you get quinn you have no chance of getting arch manning and that that's the that's the that's the whale right that's the whale that you hold out for um well but, can you if you're sarkeesian though can you afford not to get quinn because no probably not you know what I mean? Like, if you if you have another year where they're just kind of – I mean, they were bad this year. If they're just even mediocre next year, I mean, it's not like Texas is afraid to fire you after year two. No, they're not. Like, the only thing he has going for him, if they if he has another bad year, is that he gets a commitment from Arch Manning. And that's – I think that's a job saver. But, you know, if he's going to get first-round pick money from going to Austin, like, how long before Alabama holds their hand up and says, hey, guys – we can't we can't get nil deals like that here in tuscaloosa and and they'll say the same thing in athens and they'll say the same thing in gainesville and they'll say the same thing in columbus and ann arbor ann arbor you might be able to get some but you know what i mean like it's sooner or later it's going to be like we can't have everybody going to austin and the usc yeah i think if you made me guess nick's going to figure out a way to rally the troops if you will uh, i'm yeah. not saying they're going to be able to go dollar for dollar but i, I think they're going to be able to I think they're going to be able to match at a certain point. Like I, if I just know Nick Saban like I think I do, uh, very rarely uh, does he get outbid. Same goes for Kirby Smart. Yeah, it's just, you know, like when you have a city, and, and I, I think like these NIL deals are huge for, like even for a Vanderbilt. I mean, you're in a major sure. city. If you're in a major city, 
you've got much like if you have Fortune 500 companies there, um, like what does Tuscaloosa have? Maybe one Fortune 500 company. Austin probably has twelve. Yeah, 15, I mean, I twenty. In the end, I think uh, if you're Nick Saban, you're not looking to the Tuscaloosa business market. You're, I think you're probably just yeah. looking to a bunch of rich dudes that uh, that love their Tide, and all of a sudden that they've got multiple car dealerships. Like you're just, I think I. I don't think it's going to be a match where they get one big guy. I think it's going to—they're going to have to do the uh, get it out of the trough, if you will. Yeah, they might. I mean, look, because if, it, if it's stuck to local, I mean, you're you're stuck to local, and that's yeah. You know, some towns are just better. I mean, look, you know, Knoxville, go pilot flying J, baby. I mean, that's all that they got up there. So it's like, you know, what do they have in uh, Lexington? What do they have in Louisville? You know, you you, you sponsor baseball bats? Yeah, KFC. Yeah. Well, that would be like the perfect like South Park's got to do something with Eric Cartman getting a KFC NIL deal like that 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 yeah. has to happen coming up on the on the next one. All right, you mentioned Alabama. You mentioned uh, really the first guy that got the big NIL deal. Nick Saban announced that Bryce Young, before taking even a snap as the starter, he announced it in front of the Texas high school football coaches. He's getting a million dollars, and so we've got the Heisman Trophy coming up on Saturday night. I guess really the big question for me is, is there any way he doesn't win? Because I don't really see it. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. It's very rare that you win the player of the year and then not the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. And especially in a year where, like, no one really – like, Kenneth Walker, I thought, had a great year. But there's just something about being the guy that's the running back that's the Heisman favorite in October. That guy never wins, even though – he never really was was really that bad. I mean, I know he didn't have a great game against Ohio State, but really other than that, he continued to put up consistent performances the next two weeks. But it's just the classic, no one took it, and then we are, no matter what we say, we are prisoners of the moment. And that last moment that he had, I mean, that's, that's everything everyone wanted was somebody to take it. It felt like he took the reins. He did. Um, you know, and plus the running back just can't impact the game as consistently as the quarterback can. And that's that's what makes it a quarterback award now as, you know, versus what it was when you know, when I was a kid in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. I mean, it was it was the quarterbacks who, like, I mean, they weren't winning the award as much as they are now. Now it's just become basically the best quarterback award or, uh, you know, Devontae Smith. Like, it's, it's really become a much more quarterback-heavy award. I, I thought – at some point this season, it was, oh, Matt Corral is definitely going to win this thing. Uh, I thought Kenny Pickett made a nice late push uh, that, uh, you know, to win this. But, no, it's, it's, Bryce's, it's Bryce to lose. If he doesn't win this, I will be – like, what's a, what would be a more stunning Heisman vote than this one? I don't even really think it's – like, I know everyone's going to point to Woodson over Peyton, but – if you were kind of watching the tea leaves, like you knew Woodson very much had a shot going into that. I, I mean, honestly, I don't even know. Cause I mean, when you look at it, it's not just like Bryce Young's a heavy favorite. It's like, he's like a, a one to 20 favorite. And then I think the next closest is Aiden Hutchinson at like 16 to one. Like we are talking about such a massive, this would have to be such a horrible line from Vegas that you don't really see it. Like, I mean, in sports, we see upsets, and we see, you know, like last week, as we mentioned, Alabama, I think, closed as a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. 
and they win in a blowout. But that's a that's a competition. Like this is right. this is just voting. Like yeah, this would be honestly. I think the closest thing is like the election of 2016. And even if you look at that, like Donald Trump was still like minus three, you know, plus 300. It wasn't like it wasn't like yeah. you know plus 1600 like i don't even i honestly don't even know what the equivalent would be yeah he still had like a 15 to 20 percent chance of winning uh i don't think that that's there's no implied odds of 15 to 20 percent for anybody here yeah uh you know and and the other thing is like you know look look nationally at just a casual observer everybody who know everybody knows who bryce young is i don't even think people know what position or team aiden hutchinson plays for if you're not a college football fan I think that's more than fair. You're like, who? What? What? I think that's a very, very good point. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into bowl season. Coaches that treat bowl season properly and those that don't. We're also going to get into some college hoops. We'll discuss all that next on BetQLU. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, welcome back to QLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He is RJ Choppy. RJ, we got bowl season upon us. It will officially begin six days from when you are listening to it. And we've got, of course, 42 excellent games. There's a couple of things, I think, to keep in mind in bowl season. Whenever you are looking at odds or you're looking at the line, you need to ask yourself one question to start. Which of these teams cares? Which of these teams wants to be here? Bowl season more than anything, throw your power ratings out. It doesn't matter because there's going to be opt-outs. There's going to be what you really have to become is a psychologist. You have to figure out which team wants to be at that game and work from there. Also, I think there's another big thing to consider. There are certain coaches that truly treat bowl games like they're still significant, I guess maybe is the appropriate word with that. With that being said, like, I know it sounds like I'm ripping on bowl season. I love bowl season as much as anyone else. You're going to give me a game at 2 o'clock and on a Tuesday in the middle of the week. Like, yes, I'm obviously going to watch. I'm going to bet it. But there's a few names that come to mind that I think everyone needs to be aware of. Much like my society of coaches that cover, I've got my society of coaches that cover in bowl games. Jimbo Fisher, 8-2 in bowl games. Kyle Whittingham, 11-3 in bowl games. Mike Gundy, 10-5. Saban, obviously, you wouldn't expect it. Sneaky great bowl coach. 17 and 10 against the number. Kirk Ferentz, big bowl game guy. 11 and 6. And one of the guys that I can't stand the most in college football, I got to give him props. He gets his guys to play for bowl games. Hugh Freeze, 4 and 1 against the number in bowl games. Ooh. You know, I got uh, I got a couple of guys that I could throw in here. Um, you know, I- I'm interested to see uh, P.J. Fleck. In a bowl game. He's mm. Mr. Row the Boat. Oh, uh, yeah. Row the Boat guys are process guys. Oh, process yeah. guys, you know, they're not results-oriented. Uh, they're, And that's why I like I like PJ. That's why I like Jason Garrett, even though I like the, I was like the, I was the last one in DFW to still be sporting him. I'm a process guy. I get it. I think that resonates with players uh, when, when, you, when you're not there for nine years and you're only there with, with these kids for, for two to four years. Uh, I, I think a process guy like him – they are day to day, and I think he is a great guy for a bowl game. Uh, Minnesota, they got a game against West Virginia, and then I'll give you another one. Oh, and to your point, uh, looked it up. He's four and one against the number. 
that's a great call. There you go. And I'll go another guy. And this is a guy who has a reputation of falling flat in bowl games. But Bob Stoops. Big game Bob. Bob. Stoops got a big game Bob. He's got a 9-9 nine and nine bowl record. But how many of those are in the national championship against great teams? Yeah. You know, where, like, they were – they weren't as good as Florida. Or maybe they were as good, but they just, you know, they had Tebow, right? They they, yes. they weren't as good as USC. Uh, they, they they lost to Boise State. That was the one. That was the one, right? But if you were to look at Bob and the other bowls, you know, I, oh, they lost to Johnny Manziel. Okay, everybody lost to Johnny Manziel that year. Bob Stoops, this is a one-off for him. He is coming in, riding in, saving the day. Let me tell you something. There is no bigger hero north of the Red River right now than Bob Stoops. While a state congressman is trying to rename three inches of highway, the Lincoln-Riley Highway, literally three inches. I mean, as petty as that is, that is, I love it, man. There is so much innuendo there with that. That was fantastic. Bob Stoops is coming in here to save the day. Uh, So I I, I like, you know, give me P.J. Fleck. And Bob Stoops as my coaches uh, that I would look for to uh, to perform uh, in a bowl game. And as much as it pains me to say this, I love Dana Holgerson. Dana is the opposite. Dana treats bowl games as an opportunity to go hit the felt. One in seven against the number. His one cover was when they were in the Orange Bowl at West Virginia against Clemson. He got him up for the big game. But when it yeah. comes to these other bowl games, Dana just doesn't care. He's looking for the the closest place that he can go lay some chips down. His coaching mentor also not the greatest bowl coach. I love him as well, but Mike Leach not great in bowl games. Three and seven against the spread. Jeff Munkin, we mentioned it earlier, the Army head coach. I know everyone finds it's hard to believe. He gets his kids up for bowl games. Three and one also against the number. Those are things to consider. Also, with big game Bob, don't sleep on his brother. Mark Stoops, also great, gets the boys up. Usually he's got contract stipulations, usually gets his guys to play hard in bowl games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, look, it's amazing that the uh, the kids at Army uh, take uh, take pride in what they're doing. Yes. That's, that's remarkable. I was, I was, I was kind of surprised to see that stat. Holy cow. Like, you want to say, like, if you were to pick five teams that would get up for bowl games, I'd be like, oh, let's see, Army, Navy, and Air Force would be three of them. Uh, the service cat, yeah, th- those guys are going to do their job, man. Also, this kind of surprised me because he didn't strike me as the guy that would be great in bowl games because usually they're kind of disappointing. James Franklin's got a sneaky good record, 6-3 and three against the spread at Penn State in bowl game. All right, let's turn our attention to the hardwood. We got college basketball. It's in full force. RJ, I've got a confession to make. While I yeah. love investing in sports, I am not in college hoop shape. I am I'm just not there yet. I still got football brain. I will say this though. I've been watching a ton of college hoops recently. There's a few things that stand out to me right now. And the number one thing that stands out to me, we are back to it being monumental of winning on the road in college basketball. Yeah. Like it's back where, you know, I know last year we had with it being indoors, there was not a lot of arenas that had that had fans. We are back to where going on the road and winning, especially on a weeknight, man, it feels like college basketball is officially back. It does. I mean, that, that scene uh, at the rack in Rutgers, uh, yep. where they beat Purdue on uh, 
old Ron Harper Jr.'s not quite half court shot. I mean, that was a that was a. I, I used to go oh, to that, that basketball was, camp. That was depressing to you too, right? To see Ron Harper Jr. in college basketball like that. That like you're a little bit older than I, but like that was wildly depressing to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I watched his dad play, and and I think yeah. I was in college when I watched his dad play, and that was that was pretty depressing. Uh, like you know, but that that um, that that Rutgers has been a bad program for a long time. Now they've gotten they've gotten better of late, and the COVID year, the you know March of 2020, they were going to make the tournament for the first time since like the 70s. Uh, like it, it was a long time coming. Maybe the early '90s, long time coming uh, for Rutgers to make the uh, the NCAA tournament, and now they've got themselves a really, really good win. I followed a little bit of it. Uh, I, I I do enjoy to place uh, a wager or two on college hoops. Me and my neighbor, we are just huge college hoops fans. Of course, he's that fake Duke fan that everybody hates. You know what Ugh. I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, terrible. Uh, the Coach K retirement tour is already insufferable. It is. It is, and I can't wait for John Shire. Uh, to show, like, like we're going to find out what Duke's program really is about. Uh, a few other notes. It's also difficult for us to discuss college basketball because unlike college football, where we basically have lines the entire week, college basketball lines typically do not come out until day of the game. So right. we, you know, for those that are listening here on Friday, most of the games that you'd be, that we'd be talking about, they've already occurred. And if you're listening on Saturday, they've already occurred. So a couple of notes. Uh, I covered Andy Kennedy at Ole Miss. He's one of my all-time favorite human beings. Right now, he's at UAB. And let me tell you what. I can tell you this about Andy. Andy always knows the line. They're 7-1 and one against the number, 6-0 and oh at home. Just, oh. just a little kernel of truth out there. If you see a UAB line that looks tasty, my guy always knows the number. And he always, if he can, he does cover. Yeah. Look, there is uh, there's a couple of uh, there's there's a couple of notes that you could take from early on in the season. One, uh, if you're looking at teams like Iowa State, mm. undefeated, three wins against top twenty five teams. They beat Xavier, they beat Memphis, uh, oh, and they beat Iowa. Yeah, and they beat Iowa. Uh, Arizona blew out number four Michigan. They're having a good start to their season, and I mean this this will annoy everybody, but Alabama is dangerous yep. in basketball too. And you want to talk about having and it's a unique it's not a unique style anymore but like all that team does is chuck threes. I mean they are the war- Golden State Warriors, the Houston Rockets with James Harden of of college basketball. They've got that they've probably got that analytics team out there saying it's a dunk or a three. There's nothing in between, but they're fun to watch. They really really are and they're good. They beat number 1 Gonzaga uh, they're, they're a solid squad. Also, if you're somebody that's out there and if you're watching college hoops and you just decide, I, I just want points, 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 and you want to bet the overs, look for Columbia. Columbia 8-1 and one hitting the over on the season. Also, UMass sneaky good on the over 8-2. and two. SMU plays at a frantic pace, 8-3 and three on overs. La Tech also at 7-0. and oh. We got number 22, Wisconsin. Taking on Ohio State, Wisconsin survived a scare. Indiana was up on them like 20 in the first half, but Wisconsin survives. They take on Ohio State at uh, 12 Eastern, if you're listening here on Saturdays. Houston takes on Alabama, as previously mentioned. Villanova at Baylor. We got some big top 25 matchups. I'm at that point right now, though, uh, RJ, 
this is a this is a self scout week for me. This is where I get into it. I, I get the notepad out. I know you're going to be on the air for four hours, but this is a big scout week for me. I'm still not quite there yet, but I understand I got to get up to speed quickly. Well, look, it, it doesn't. It, it's really not that. Doesn't take that long. It's you know football. You've got 100 people, 100 players of the team. You got 22 starters. In basketball, I mean, every team except for Kentucky has like one guy yeah. that you got to worry about, uh, and and it's so coach driven. College sports is so coach driven, uh, and it's a styles make fights thing. Like you know, we, last couple of years we we've not really talked much about Kentucky in general. Yeah, um, and and that's we surprising. About with football. <laughs> yeah, they're a football. They're a basketball. They're a football school this year, or they have been. <sighs> I mean, literally, they have a chance to win 10 games this year. Like, they have a chance to win 10 games under Mark Stoop. He has done a remarkable job. want to remind you that we're here each and every Friday night at 11 Eastern. Also, when you wake up all morning long on Saturdays. Then it's BetQLU in the action. RJ and Ari tomorrow starting at noon Eastern. They're going to be with you all for four. I should say not all afternoon. But they're going to be with you for four hours sweating out college hoops and more. It's all on BetQL. It's all available on the Odyssey app. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Thanks for listening to and watching BetQLU.